Are you interested in sustainable living? What do you think about creating settlements from the ground up? How can a city be overwhelming and impressive at the same time? Stay tuned for answers from Dave Hackens. What is the future for cities? Do you want to learn more about them? Do you want to know how others think about them? Do you want to be part of the conversation that this is the right place? Welcome to What is the Future for Cities podcast. Today, I will interview Dave Hackens, an industrial designer, inventor, and an overall pioneer. We will talk about his vision for the future of cities, decentralization, sustainable living options and research, and many more. So let's start with a proper introduction. Dave Hackens is a Dutch industrial designer. He gained fame with his two graduation projects, phone blocks, a concept for modular telephones, and precious plastic, a movement to develop and promote machines and organizations for plastic recycling. After precious plastic and phone blocks gained momentum, Dave helped to set up One Army as the group of people from around the world working on global problems affecting the planet and humanity. One Army has five different projects currently, Precious Plastic, Phone Books, Story Hopper, Fixing Fashion, and Project Camp, where Dave spends most of his time. Project Camp is prototyping a new way of living on planet Earth, working on regenerative land management, sustainable building, permaculture, water retention systems, renewable energy, and how to peacefully live together, and many more. This project aims to solve the problem of sustainable living. Dave is seen by many as an example of a new generation of designers who have set themselves the goal of improving society by sharing knowledge. And with that, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Dave, thank you so much for your time. I highly, highly appreciate that you are here on the podcast. Let's jump into what does the future of cities mean to you? That's a big question. I think they mean many things. I guess it mainly means housing for many humans. That's what they would mean to me. What does the city mean to you currently? So I think for me, the city is a place where just a lot of stuff happens. People are living there, shops are there, people move around. It's a lot of human activity condensed in a very small surface area, mm -hmm. which is overwhelming, also impressive. So a lot of mixed feelings when you come to a city. You said overwhelming and oppressive. Impressive. Impressive. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that out. Why is the city overwhelming? I think in a city you realize that every square centimeter is designed by humans from the roads, the buildings, uh, the waste systems, really everything. And it's a lot. It goes high up. It goes in the ground. It makes you realize there's a lot of effort put into these places and a lot being developed and made but also a lot of small interactions going on everywhere around you which is very efficient and very optimized but it's just also a lot i think to witness especially if you compare that with nature where also many things happen but they're they feel a bit less planned and less designed it's more like organically shaped by nature you are currently in portugal right yes i've never been to portugal i've been to spain and in my experience spanish And I assume Portuguese cities and villages and towns are really designed and they are just at the convenience for the people who are living there. Do you believe that cities are designed for the last bit? What do you mean for the last bit? That you mentioned that from the bottom to the top, they are designed for having these interactions, being so efficient, being so effective. 
in my experience, cities more happen just as people live in them. Do you really think that cities are designed? Yeah, I would say so. But more like thinking of designed, what, 200 years ago. I think that's kind of the beauty. If you go to old cities and you realize, well, someone made this pathway here. It doesn't make sense anymore at this point in time, but someone made it there for maybe horses. Or this window is super small, not because we like it now, but back in the days, that was a cheaper way to insulate your house or whatever. So I think that's the beauty of old cities. You see the design thinking from the past, still mm -hmm. in new cities. But if you go to really newer cities, you see it's more developed from scratch and then they look completely different and they really can start with a blank canvas. And then you even feel more, I would say, it's all designed because it's all designed with our current mind and not mm -hmm. our mind 100 years ago. So it has less weird things because everything sort of makes sense to how we would want to have it at this moment in time. But in the end, I would say it's all touched and put there by humans with a thought behind it. So at some point in time, we thought that was probably smart, good thing. It's really interesting because when you said designed, I thought immediately that there was someone orchestrating the whole design for the city to have one specific thing for the city itself. But in your understanding, cities are designed bit by bit from person to person by individuals. Do I understand it correctly? Yeah. Well, so I think it's a different way of designing. So old cities are more like that. Organically, they bit by bit, all the people together, they naturally form the city, which maybe you only realize later, like, oh, this is a city. Nowadays, I think it happens a bit different. If you look in Asia, Saudi Arabia, where they just really build a city. And I would say that's more planned from a master plan. So it's really just a person or a group of people sitting down saying, this is what we think the city should look like. So it's less done by people coming together and building it up, which is both, I would say, design, just a different way of building it. And you also mentioned impressive for the city. Why are cities impressive for you? So we're now here in Project Camp trying to sort of set up this alternative way of living in a piece of land where there's nothing. And then every time I come to the city, I sort of see better the choices that are made in the infrastructure, whether it's the electricity, the water, the sewage, this all built and also evolved throughout time. So probably the road already changed 20 times until they finally now have the road they want and they probably change it again. But so much work and effort went already into these things for hundreds of years usually at least in many european cities here and then i don't know i think the more i'm into setting up infrastructure the more i can understand the amount of work that is in there and then even in the morning that the streets are clean which means there is a system that someone comes they know they have a job they get paid to clean up that thing and they can come again tomorrow there's so much systems running there and so much infrastructure set up that sometimes is messy, but I guess it would say it kind of works as well. If you start seeing all of that, it's quite impressive. Okay, so then what is Project Camp and what do you want to achieve? What is your mission? So I think the cities has ups and downsides. I think they can be very efficient in terms of transportation, super close by, condense all the humans together, make recycling and stuff way more integrated. But realistically, a lot of people together can also cause a lot of harm if they don't have the right habits or the right system set up for them. 
So I think at the moment, the stage of the world is a little bit like that. Like as a human, if you're just being born, you grow up, you're just quite polluting to earth because of all the systems that are set up. I wouldn't say it's your fault. It's just how we build things. And I think in Project Cam, we're trying to see what is an alternative way of living? What would be less harmful? What does it look like? I don't think we have the answer. We're just trying stuff. So we bought a piece of land in Portugal and trying to set up a way of living that is more in a harmony with the nature and less harmful to the planet. And I would say if we don't really know what it would look like, but one fundamental thing which is different is that it would be set up as a community. So really more a group of people instead of living as individuals. And besides that, we don't have the answers yet. So it's really like a research project trying to figure out. An amazing and an immense research project, to be honest. <laughs> It's amazing to see how you are transforming the whole land and how you are researching the opportunities through your YouTube videos. It's just amazing. So thank you so much for doing that kind of work and researching this kind of living. Yeah, I think it also really comes down for that. I think many people have this question in mind. So I think especially after COVID, you have like cities can be so intense, overwhelming, maybe not good for your own well-being. And then you have this dream of countryside rule of grid living, but it's also a bit like maybe portrayed too idealistic, like not real, like an Instagram life. So I think we're trying to find there the balance, like, is this really nice? Does this make sense? How much can you, as a human, scale back in a few of your habits to a more simpler way of living? And that's the thing, we don't really know, but I think many people would have that question. So we document everything we do online so people can follow it and then I don't know, be part of answering that question together and figuring it out. You talked about the city's infrastructure and how since you are building a new infrastructure at Project Camp, you can appreciate more and more what goes into a city when it's built, it's developed. Do you think it's easier for you to create a better infrastructure after the so many ages of development in urban areas, or it's very, very hard because you are trying to do something completely different from the urban infrastructure. I think that the city is sort of a very logical outcome of we have certain needs and we cover them by city. And I would say they do it usually pretty efficient. However, if we address all our needs as humans, we just want a lot. And many different people want a lot. It's just a lot of resources. So I think a lot of it also comes down to what do you want? Why do you want it? And do you really want this? So I think you can cut certain pieces of infrastructure if you don't need them, for instance, which is another way of sort of looking at it instead of just integrating it. You are a bit more critical to what you need. I can't think of any other examples, but there are a few that you really notice, like you just do it a bit different than how they would look at it from a city perspective, mm -hmm. um, because you ask more the underlying question, like, do I want this? Should we even allow this as human? Or is there another way to go around it? I'm asking this because, for example, from an urban designer perspective, seeing the African cities developing now, we know that, for example, the landline, which are present in current cities, which have been developed more than a century ago, the modern cities, we don't have it because... They don't need it, to be honest. They will just have Wi-Fi hotspots instead of phone cables all around the ground. That's why I'm asking whether it's easier to build a new one or it's hard because you are doing something new. 
But I understand that it's already difficult or at least challenging to challenge the usual thinking about, yes, we need that. Obviously, we need that. How do you decide which one is needed and which one is not? I think that's one of the underlying principles here, which is different as well. Like in the city, there's so much infrastructure set up for you, so many things happening. So you might not even realize that that person comes every morning to swipe your floor or that someone keens to maintain the sewage system. And all these things have a cost, have a price, uh, take resources. But I think in a city, because everything is working sort of around you, you don't realize this. And I think if you scale down your infrastructure and you are with sort of a community living and not as an individual, you become directly in contact with the infrastructure. So if your energy supply doesn't work, you are very aware of it. If the water doesn't work, if, if something sort of happens. And I think that automatically puts a very realistic thing of, okay, there's this thing we want, but can we actually maintain it? Can we run it? Does it make sense for us to set this up? So you become much more in touch with all the resources you need on a daily basis as a human to live life. And I think in a city, even though it's very optimized, it's very forgotten because as a human, you don't see these kind of things. So I think just bringing you more in touch with that infrastructure and those services and that work that is behind running a life of a human, I think it automatically cuts down certain things and makes you appreciate other things much more. So it might be less efficient in a way, because if you throw it all in a pile and you centralize it for everyone, in a way, it's way more efficient. But I think it makes it more understandable why it's there, why it doesn't work, and what should be done with it. Project CAM could be understood as this is a different idea which challenges current urban living. What are your three biggest fears or concerns regarding the future of cities and Project CAMP? So I think for cities, it's this thing of it scales beyond what what humans can handle or want. So it sort of grows and grows and we don't want it to grow, but it keeps on growing because realistically every day we put a little bit of effort in that thing. So it just go out of hand almost. And that goes then for many things, like maybe the waste system, like we want to use less waste, but realistically, because it's set up in that way, the waste keeps piling up or the energy usage we have. Like we want to use less, but realistically, we all have little houses, we all have little lights, so it goes up. So yeah, that it becomes almost bigger than what a human can handle, I guess, or understand. Well, I guess that has a few fears in terms of the waste that is produced, the energy that is needed, this kind of stuff. And I think also the fear of that you just lose touch with nature, with systems, like, I don't know, I feel like you miss a certain part of life just by only being in the city. So I think those would be my fears. And I think the fears for Project Camp would be cities are super efficient in a way, in terms of they centralize everything, which in a way is the most efficient thing to do. But we also see downsides of putting centralizing everything because you lose track of what's going on and you don't see the effort. But I hope Project Camp finds that line in between decentralizing and centralizing and still staying efficient because it's also quite inefficient Yeah, if you break everything down into smaller parts. So I'm not sure where that line is. Another fear would be that something I like a lot about the cities is you put all the humans together. So all the mess, all the chaos, all the noises, all the unnatural things we do, you have them right there and wildlife can go around uh, theoretically. So everyone that can still live in a good uh, way and the humans are just there doing their thing. 
which in a way sounds very logical to me. And I think Project Camp sort of goes against that because they would say, no, no, you all live uh, decentralized and you live in nature surrounded environment, which also means you're going to, you know, be in the middle of wildlife, nature, and probably leaving some human traces there. And I don't really know where to position it, whether it's a good or a bad approach. But I think looking at it now, I do think there's value in being a bit closer to nature. And I think it makes you a bit more conscious about your actions as well. And also realistically, wildlife, at least for instance, in many areas of the world doesn't really exist anymore. It's all touched already by humans or cultivated. So I think you can still be perhaps close to nature, but don't live in a natural reservoir in the middle of real wild nature. So I think that's where I'm currently positioning, but I'm not sure when you go too far in the, the line of too much into nature or too much into only city. That's fascinating. For example, in Australia, Canberra was built and it was designed and it's designed in a way that where the city stops, the nature begins and there is no connection between the two. For me, it seems really healthy to have that kind of immersion between nature and city at the limit of the city. So not just having that hard stop, but allowing the two system to infiltrate each other at least a bit, because we need nature as humans. And yeah, nature probably doesn't need us as humans, but uh, we should be able to still enjoy nature without destroying it. So I understand this limit where you would like to sit in between and not having to destroy nature, but still having some of the urban efficiency and people together. Which reminds me, I wanted to ask you, what is your ideal size for a community? I think that's one of the tough questions here to we want to figure out, basically, because I think the trade-off is always the more people, the more you can take on. So if you were just a few people, okay, maybe you're not able to bake your own bread. It's take too much time. So you go to a local bakery. If you were more people, yeah, maybe you can bake your own bread. But then you think, well, fuck, if you also want to make our own flour, we should mill something. Okay, then we also need that person. Yeah, but then we need to grow our own cereals. So you need some sort of farming stuff going on. And I think this is with many, many processes. And you can take this as far as like, this is just food, but then you also have tools like, okay, would it be cool to make your own tools? Okay, from wood seems doable. If you go into metal, how do you do metal? You have a blacksmith there. Well, but that's just a simple tool. What about more technology? So this thing easily becomes just a city, basically, if you want all the things to be manufactured and made and produced at your own land to be really self-sustaining. So I think realistically, for instance, the goal of being self-sustaining is unrealistic. You would never be self-sustaining unless you just talk about your food. But if you think about your tools, your infrastructure, you're never going to make cell phone or internet on your land. So I think there we're also looking on, okay, how much does make sense to really do ourselves here? And how much is sort of more part of uh, the region? And then hopefully other communities take on certain tasks that you don't. So maybe each community specializes in something and together you still have certain infrastructure. But I would say this is one of those questions. And it was a tough one actually in the beginning when you buy land, like how big should this thing be? Like, I don't know, is it for 50 people? Is it for 2000 people? 
it's really hard to decide on that. So uh, I would say, yeah, hopefully this gets more clear throughout time. How does the residing community around your land and around the project camp welcome this project? How are you able to work with them? Are you able to work with them or they are resisting this idea? So this was one of the worries maybe of going somewhere because you come with this completely different mindset into a world that probably doesn't have that mindset. So we're in a very rural area in Portugal where there are still some older people farming and growing vegetables, but we come with completely different tools, mindsets, whatever to this place. I don't know if it's Portuguese people being very nice, but everyone here is super welcoming, open, friendly. I think that's what I really liked about it is they don't really care who you are or where you come from, but they just love this land. They grew up in this land. They spend all their life here and they just see this land being abandoned because on the one hand, it burns down every now and then because people don't take care of it. All their children are moving to cities where the opportunities are for them. So they are still driving around on their tractors doing some stuff, but physically they cannot do much and the land is big. So there's a lot of work to be done. So I think for them, it's just a little bit sad to see the thing you cared about so long, seeing slowly degrading. So I think us coming here for them was really nice because they see some young people with motivation. They just want to dig that hole or clear that bush and we're having fun while doing it. So I think they like it a lot. So they pop by, they give vegetables, they share their wisdom of the land, which is kind of an unexpected thing. I didn't expect that to be so integrated. I thought there's just life and we're sort of in our bubble developing this thing, but it really is quite interacted with rest of the population here, which I think is quite of a valuable layer that originally didn't think of. Like you can make the land better, but also just the life of the people around there, you could bring something valuable to them, which is, I don't know, wasn't really the goal of the project, I would say, but it's a nice extra twist knowing that all these old people there in town, you can bring a smile on their face. That's amazing. All right. So I would say that this is an opportunity for you. What are the three biggest opportunities regarding the future of cities and project camp for you? Yes, I think in cities, I think it's kind of impressive how much happens on that small surface area. And I think they have a lot of opportunities in terms of recycling stuff because all of it sort of is bought there, thrown away there. You can process it there. So in a way, you can have very short feedback loops of your material in that city environment. So I think not much is recycled, but I think a lot could be recycled and really in the city. So don't ship it back to China and produce it and come back, but really integrate recycling within cities. I think that's a very big opportunity. Same for public transport. I'd say if you live in rural areas, you need a car for everything. There isn't public transport available. And I think cities, they could really be like, it's all public transport. It all is just a shared commodity, just our transportation. And you could reach every corner of the city with public transport, which I think is a very, I mean, it should almost be the standard. Like that's just how you move around in cities. Like you don't get your own stuff. It's weird. Like it should just be that. The, the other opportunity is, this happens more, I guess, but trying to integrate human well-being more, like it's easy to just be a part of that system. 
but it can also be a bit intense for a human to live or overwhelming or lonely. I guess more and more of these things are popping up, but it feels like that kind of needs to be in there, that, that life is actually healthy for your mind and for your body to be in a city. And for Project Camp? So I think a few things that something like Project Camp opens up, a few opportunities would be see where stuff comes from. Like you would never have this in a city. Like you don't see where all your products are made or vegetables come from or here this is a very direct closed circle so you can really see it which makes you appreciate it more which makes you understand it more i think it helps you to understand just life and what you need so i guess kind of want to make sure we, we keep that and it doesn't get too complex yeah i think restoring land like realistically so much land like in my head i also had this image like if there's no humans it's wildlife but realistically we probably already used that land before or chopped down the trees or cultivated it. So now it's in this weird state of it's not really maintained by humans because they don't care anymore, but they also took out all the wildlife and it probably takes hundreds of years to restore it to a healthy ecosystem. And I think being part of accelerating that cycle or trying to bring back a bit the natural state of the land is a very, it's a good feeling to do. It's almost like, a daily goal beyond your own life. Like even here, you see the old people that live around, they still plant trees, but they're what, 70 years old, their children don't live here. Why do they plant trees? They wouldn't pick the fruits of it and neither would their family. But I think they just do it because that's the land and they should restore it. And it's good for the next generation, even though you don't know who it is. But I think that that mindset is a very healthy one to have, the feeling that you're part of building something useful long-term. So I think that's a opportunity for a project camp yeah and i think for us but it's more practical one is that everything we do we share open source online so we share the documentation so for us it's also not about building this place but figuring it out for many other people in the world so it can sort of accelerate this whole process because other people might start their own communities and camps around the world has anyone reached out yet to start your own camp or is it way too early because you are still in the experimenting phase? Yeah, too early. Like we have some knowledge to share, but we also don't really want to share because it takes time. Like you can build something and share a video, but you don't know if it still works in one year. So we <laughs> want to make sure we put a little bit of testing in there to actually validate if the thing what we made that thought makes sense, that actually does make sense. So uh, we're not really doing that yet. What is for sure, like in a few years, the plan of the project. It's really wise that you are not putting out everything that we did that. No, we yeah. need to test it as well. And yeah, I used to do that before as well. You just made something, you're excited, you release it. But then over time you see, yeah, this is actually not good with it. But people still see that video for the first time. So they get excited and also do it. So I think that feedback loop is kind of essential to reflect a bit on it and see, is it actually good? How much have you learned since starting this project camp? Because I know that you, before project camp, did precious plastic, helping recycling plastic materials and creating blueprints to set up these uh, workshops all over the world, which is just amazing. How much did you learn about human life after you started this project camp? Because listening to you, it must have been a huge learning curve, to be honest. 
well before the world was also a lot about developing figuring out making but then it were machines so you were in a workspace with fluorescent lights just welding stuff and here it's a bit more okay you're with sticks and branches and whatever but i would say the first years is still pretty practical like you really need to just set up water set up electricity set up shelter so it's still very familiar to what i would use to work with is just building stuff I think now we're reaching more the part where we go also into landscaping and regenerating the land, retaining water. These kind of topics are completely new, but a big interest to it, which helps. But I do think many of them are kind of just logical. Like you don't have the knowledge, but it's kind of very logical approach to things. So it's somewhat relatable as well. Like just sort of all makes sense. You just don't have the knowledge, but step by step, you just learn. Which I think is actually the cool thing about the project. You're just forced to learn these things because you throw yourself into a piece of land without anything. So you kind of have to figure it out, which is a fun process, like learning, not just by reading a book and learning, but really learning because there's a need. You kind of need to figure it out, which works for me way better. In my architectural education, there was the saying that nothing gives you more motivation and creativity than a deadline. Yeah, if you want to have drinking water, you kind of just have to figure it out because of the, it's like good deadlines all the time. Yeah. I so much appreciate that you are so curious. So it's just good to listening to you that you find the fun learning all of this. And also it's really good that you think that your previous skills are useful. So if someone wants to start a project camp 2.0, I have no idea, in Asia or somewhere else. They don't have to relearn everything. They can use their own skills, what they have. So it's not completely new. Yeah, I would say, in, well, at least for me, it depends what your skills were, maybe, uh, I don't know. But I think that is something which is such a powerful and unique thing nowadays is like the internet. If you're here, you don't know how something works, you just look it up. Like that just didn't exist before. Now you just find 200 videos about how to set up your water system. So it just takes time and effort, but you can figure it out. So if you're good in figuring out stuff, I think nowadays you can be dropped anywhere and you will figure it out. And I think it's a very unique thing, which also changes completely like the setting of living on the land that you have that tool available with that much knowledge and also communication with the world. Yeah, I think it's a very powerful thing to have. So do you think that before the internet, this project would have been way more challenging? I think it would be less interesting to do because I think, well, humans sort of like to develop and learn and get better, like I guess at what they did. I think that's also the downside of what people might have in mind, like of this image of labor, then you go back 30 years in time, I don't know, tractor driving around and just doing your thing not really developing but i think nowadays because you're still connected like maybe as your community you connect to this bigger whole of mankind and you can communicate with that and share the knowledge you have i think that adds a whole layer of purpose and usefulness to it that is not just for your own life you're figuring it out but you can also develop and research bigger topics that took you a lot of effort to do but it's not just for you it's sort of for mankind and I think that is a very deep underlying motivation that before you didn't really have. It was really just for you and maybe your neighbor. And I think it sort of gives a bigger meaning to 
why you want to figure out stuff and why do you want to improve stuff because it ideally helps others as well the internet allows that just wow so we talked about project camp we briefly mentioned precious plastic what is your role in establishing the future of cities so i think in terms of the role of the city i think the cities will be developed i think almost all humans focus is there like all the companies all the business all the people most people live there like that will be developed whether you like it or not i think we're just trying to carve out another way that we think could be nicer for humans and nature to live don't really know if that would go well so i think we're just the idiots trying something else and seeing if it fits because also many people would have that question so i think someone just has to try that that's what our role is i would say why are you the ones trying out i understand that someone has to but the usual human approach is someone else has to try out before i would do it why is it that you are the one who will be the somebody who is trying out this new stuff i think we like adventure here like going a bit into the unknown and i think you could apply that to many things you could climb a mountain or cycle somewhere far away but this feels a bit like the same you have no idea if the life you're making here makes any sense or you can sustain it because many people would say that's not a smart way of doing it as well but you also see many people thinking about it and wanting that but just wondering like would it make sense and i think it has potential so i think it sounds like a good adventure and i think it attracts people that like adventure so especially in the early stages you just have pioneering people i think that try to figure it out and i think once it's more set up or once it's more clear or once all the mistakes are out adventure might be more gone but it would add a new layer that another kind of audience would like it that is a bit more like ah, okay that's how it works so yeah i think for every new thing you just need like different kind of people and at the moment it's very much pioneers do you think that this adventure will last for your whole life yeah so i think there will always be stuff to be figured out here or to be optimized or to be thought of or so i think adventure would sort of always be there in the smaller corners i think for me personally maybe yeah after a few years when it's all set up and properly running maybe then it feels like okay maybe adventure is done but i would also say it's a massive project so it takes many years or decades to do because even the trees you plant now before they are big I and mean, it takes time so i could see this project i see this kind of as a lifelong project to unpack this thing to see what is there yeah that's amazing dave thank you so much for doing this work doing this research for all of us and creating this knowledge i highly highly appreciate it do you have any closing comments or requests for the audience you can follow us on youtube usually we have a video every week where you can see what, what we're doing but we take breaks in winter to reflect now yeah you can follow our weekly journey on youtube and see the mistakes we make and the things we try and and also suggest feedback suggestions that, that you have things we do stupid thank you so much dave again for your time no problem welcome It was really interesting to hear from Dave about their Project Camp Research Hub to find better and more sustainable ways of living and his understanding of not individuals are the problems, but the established systems. Not to mention his appreciation for urban complexity with transportation and efficiency and for Project Camp and its closeness to nature.
Husendia talked about urban public transport in detail in episode 48. You can find out more about Dave online, all the links are in the show notes. What was the most interesting part for you? What questions did arise regarding Dave's approach to the future of cities? What have you learned from this interview? Let me know on Twitter at WTF4Cities or on the WTF4Cities.com website where the transcripts and show notes are available. Additionally, I will highly appreciate if you consider subscribing. I hope this was an interesting interview for you as well, and thanks for tuning in. What is the future for cities podcast? <laughs>